Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Fly on the Wall. We're really excited to have you here. My name's Aaron Bennett. My name's Christian Mesa. My name's Justin McCartney. And we are your Fly on the Wall team here, back in action. And we have a very exciting guest for you today. But before we tell you who it is, uh, one note we need you to uh, to take into consideration. We need you to subscribe to our podcast, please. I like, okay, like, if you listen to the podcast every week, you hear us do this. I, like, can't believe you haven't subscribed Just get already. that automatic download sent right to your phone. It's not that hard. Yeah, we're on iTunes. Check us out. You also can sign up for our mailing list, uh, which there should be a link to on our social media. That will make sure, again, we're making this as easy as possible. Your new Fly on the Wall episode will be delivered straight to your inbox every Sunday morning. Also, Did someone say social media? I heard social media. Did you say social media, Christian? Uh, I think you said it first. I think I said it over here. Oh, okay. Aaron, you want to tell them about the social media things? I would love to. So we made it very simple for you all. We have one handle. It's at fly on the wall pod, literally at fly on the wall pod. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, and even Snapchat question mark. Um, yeah, we have a Snapchat, I think. Yeah, we do. We have a Snapchat. Cool. Call us and everything. We're friendly. Kind of. We're fun people. And there's also good old fashioned word of mouth. So it's just talk about us with all your friends. Today on the pod, we're going to have GOP chairwoman Ronna Romney McDaniel, uh, who comes to us uh, fresh off the 2016 election. Uh, she was the Michigan GOP chairwoman, uh, and, Dem- and Republicans won Michigan for the first time since Bill Clinton. Uh, so it's a really exciting time for the GOP in Michigan, and she was the arbiter of that. And then she took over uh, the national GOP chair. Uh, so we're really excited to have her on. I know what you're thinking, and the answer is yes. Her grandfather is George Romney, former governor of Michigan, and her uncle, her uncle is Mitt Romney, former governor of Massachusetts and presidential candidate in 2008 and 12, and also maybe running for Senate in 2018. Uh, Yeah, we're not totally sure. Uh, You will definitely hear her on our uh, interview call him Uncle Mitt. Which is really cute. <laughs> yeah, they. It's clear it's a very tight knit family, and uh, it, it's clear that public service is a calling for them, and they feel very moved to to be a part of that. So I think that was really inspirational to take away from it. Yeah, so we had a great conversation with the chairwoman talking about political parties in America, how her experience has shaped uh, what she's bringing to the new GOP moving into twenty eighteen, uh, and then of course what that means for millennials. So now tweet of the week. What do we got this week, guys? Uh, we have a great tweet of the week for you today. It comes from Burgess Everett, uh, who's a reporter who works on Capitol Hill. And he tweeted out on the 19th of September at 1.25 p.m. Just heard a senator tell another senator, have a nice weekend. It's Tuesday. This one's so bad. <laughs> okay, Like, here's my thing. Like, if you are in the Capitol, like, be always wary of what you're saying. Like, and definitely don't say have a nice weekend on Tuesday. That just just, makes you look bad. That's not great. Like, you know, people criticize you for not working. And then you do something like that, that close to a reporter, say like, nice, have a nice weekend on a Tuesday. Come on, guys. It's the end of summer. We're back in school. You're back in session. Let's get to work. See, but like, politicians are real people too. Last week, I got up from my job. I work in the psych department, just like at the front desk. And I got up on a Wednesday afternoon at closing time at 5 p.m. And I said, all right, have a nice weekend. I'll see you Monday to my bosses. And, and they sort of gave me a weird look. And I was like, wow, it's Wednesday. I totally blew that. So to be fair, politicians and uh, politicians are real people, too. 
Yeah, I've really messed up dates of the week before to the point where I like didn't show up to the right classes uh, for certain reasons. All right, moving forward, uh, let's jump into our grinding our gears topic for the week. Aaron, uh, what grinds your gears? That's a great question. And ooh, do we have a gear grind? I think we stayed away from the gear grinding. Uh, gear grinding. Gear grinding. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Sound do effect? Have, do we have a sound effect? I this don't is think so, because it's like an ugly sound. <laughs> I think my yeah, thought process there was that. Sound. Thanks for validating that, Christian. Okay. So what grinds your gears this week? Uh, so today, we're going to have a conversation with Rana Romney McDaniel, uh, the chairwoman of the GOP. So we figured it was only natural to talk about what grinds our gears about political parties. Up first, I think Christian raised his hand, so you go first. Oh, uh, yeah. Put me in, coach. Okay. So my biggest problem with political parties, and there are going to be a lot of answers here. Some of them will be serious. Some of them will not be. If you ask people on the street, uh, there are a lot of very uh, serious issues that they want to bring up. My number one issue with political parties is the mascots. Okay? <laughs> you always oh, have... Oh, <laughs> okay. You always just... First it was the watches. <laughs> and now mascots is your chief complaint about political parties. It really is. Okay? Because... Donkey and elephant are like two of the lamest possible animals we could have gone for mascots. Would you prefer like a shark and a falcon? Yes, like- we, I absolutely would. Okay, first off, the easy answer was bald eagle. Like if you really want to win an election. I think they just- agreed that was just off limits. No, you, you shouldn't have. That would have. Okay, like if you were like, oh, that would have been cheating. I'm sorry. Do you want to win? Like <laughs> at the end of the day, you could have gone with a tiger. You could have gone with a lion. You could have gone with any number of fierce strong animals and your answer was a donkey and an elephant like i just can't believe the people who sat down one day and were like we're gonna build a political party we're gonna build a couple didn't pick like the obvious cool strong mascots that's what really grinds my gears about political parties i don't know how to follow that up. i was gonna say i really hope you have something justin because i've lost <laughs> my entire train of thought based on that little whatever that was you know what? i think i got something put me in what grinds my gears about political parties is the high level of partisanship that they inject into the national debate. So I'm not going to get too mathematical on you because if you know me, I don't I don't do math. That's why I'm at Georgetown. <laughs> but <laughs> but if you look at the numbers behind voters who vote in the primaries versus voters who vote in the general elections, and then of course the lower you get on the election totem pole, the lower the turnout is anyway, um, which is another issue entirely. But because there's such a small amount, small degree of voters voting in primary, specifically in House or Senate races, it really encourages the candidates to go to the extremes of their political spectrums because you know you're only going to get hardcore Democrats or hardcore Republicans voting in the primaries. And that's really set up by the political party system, the two-party system in particular, um, and really the, the, the polarization that you see. Uh, and it's unfortunate for candidates because it really shuts out um, what could be a great platform for very substantive policy and ideas debate, how these candidates, especially at local levels like house races, how they're going to fix the issues, how they're going to represent their districts. And it turns into, um, in my opinion, a, a bit too partisan of an affair. Uh, I don't know what made me think of this, but I just realized I need to get my vote by mail ballot for the November. Yeah, memorial. that's true. I do too. Yeah. Anyway, so my issue with the political parties is the lack of creativity in their names. Let's just start from like day one. So we have the Federalists, right? Who are advocating for a federal government. Like, okay, maybe a little bit of creativity there because federal is like a new fashioned word in like that time. But the party that formed in opposition, the anti-Federalists, 
really? <laughs> like, imagine having like the the pro kangaroos and like the anti kangaroos. Like, it just, makes it simple it, at least. It was simple, but oh come on, you kangaroos or back of the mascot but, question. But think about the further evolution. So we have America as both a Republican and a, uh, a republic and a democracy, right? So here comes along the next political party and decides to go with the Democratic Republicans, right? Just taking these two buzzwords and turning it into like one uh, party name. Great. So, so fancy. Then you have the Democrats. They start to splinter. Uh, they have the Democrats. They have the Republicans. They have the Whigs. So go ahead and just steal that from Britain. Like they really did not try very hard here. And I have like a significant issue that they didn't have anything more creative to come up with than what we were, we were left with. So that's my issue with political parties. Yeah, I agree. On like a superficial level. Yeah, we should come up with something cool like the Crouching Tigers or something, you know? Please cut that out. <laughs> yeah, no, we we'll leave that in. <laughs> Great, so let's transition into our content that we're actually going to be discussing with uh, the chairwoman, and that is political parties, specifically the GOP under her direction. Yeah, we're going to have a good conversation with her about, uh, you know, what she's done uh, specifically as chairwoman of the GOP and what she's working towards in the next couple of years. You know, the groundwork she's laying as well as the work she's doing right now. And I think she provides some important context about the importance of political parties in this day and age. I know we just spent like five minutes. Wow. Five minutes uh, having some lengthy uh, gear grinding about political parties in general. Uh, but I think she makes a good case about why, you know, it's important to have um, people fighting for a specific set of values and a specific uh, specific demographics in the country to make sure their voices are heard. And like she says, uh, you'll hear this in the podcast, um, but this country is better when we have two strong parties. And I think that's a very inspiring statement um, coming from her. We've heard it in the past from other podcast guests. Uh, so I, I think that she provides some good perspective about, you know, making the most of the uh, government system that we have. Yeah, I think we're ready to bring her in. All right, Chairwoman Rana Romney McDaniel. Uh, Chairwoman McDaniel, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, we're really excited to have you on, so we're just going to dive right in. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So our first question for you is, you know, how did you decide to get involved in political parties? Um, you know, what route did you take to get there? So I grew up in politics. My grandfather was governor of Michigan. He lived next door to me. My mom was involved in politics. So it's kind of all I've ever known. I worked on my aunt's school board race or precinct delegate races as a young girl knocking doors, uh, being in campaign offices. Very early, I learned that campaign offices often had donuts. So I... Uh, that's quite the incentive. <laughs> it is. And it's a, that's a very big incentive. But just always loved it. And of course, we had Sunday dinners at my grandfather's. And he would always emphasize the importance of getting involved and, and, and public service. Mm -hmm. Great. All right. So we're going to start right off uh, and talk a little bit about your experience as the head of the GOP in Michigan. Uh, since that's that was where you previously yep. were uh, before your current role. So tell us a little bit about how you were able to successfully make a shift in a state that has gone, at least at the presidential level, Democrat for uh, uh, since Bill Clinton, I believe. Yep. Um, how you were able to make that shift to where it is today. And talk to us a little bit about the strategies you implemented and the great work you did there. Thank you. Well, so Michigan had not gone um, red presidentially since 1988. So when I signed on to be the Michigan Republican 
party chair, I think a lot of people were like, yeah, let her have it because <laughs> this isn't usually the best year Go for, it. <laughs> uh, for us. Uh, but I was very passionate about it for a lot of reasons. I had felt like Michigan had been flown over. We hadn't had Republican candidates compete in our state for a long time. John McCain famously pulled out of Michigan. My uncle Mitt, who I love, uh, from Michigan, never campaigned in Michigan post-nomination. So it was a passion of mine to really engage the candidates as they came to our state and give them a case as to why Michigan is a state that you should come to post-nomination and compete for in the general election. Part of that had to do with the fact that we had a Republican governor, we had a Senate, we had a House, an Attorney General, Secretary of State. It was a state that was shifting more red. Right. I just don't think nationally that was being recognized. Mm-hmm. Um, when President Trump, then candidate Trump, came to Michigan, he and I spoke often about this, and he really bought into it. And we had a lot of dialogue about it. And one of the things I admire about him greatly is he ignored the Washington political class saying, hey, why are you wasting your time? And he listened to the people on the ground. Uh, And I think that's a tribute to him. Definitely. And take us inside the room of election night in Michigan. You know, what was that like? Did you know it was coming or was it a bit of a surprise or what was that like for you? It was crazy. You know, (laughs) I um, so President Trump uh, ended the election day in Michigan. I don't know if people realize. So Monday night, he came in and did a rally starting at 11 o'clock at night, ended at two in the morning. So I started election day with President Trump. Mm-hmm. We went to a little dive bar in in Michigan called Heroes. We did not throw an elaborate election party. I'm a firm believer, put your money in the ground game, not into a big party. Right. Um, and as we watched the results come in, it was for us, it was amazing. We didn't just win for President Trump. We won all of our state house seats. We won our Supreme Court races. There was nothing on the ticket that we really didn't win. So, uh, of course, Michigan was not called that night. Mm-hmm. We were one of the last dates, so it was just teetering mm-hmm. all night. Uh, eventually, mm-hmm. I did go to bed. Um, <laughs> I will say, though, I did anticipate that it was going to be close. Mm-hmm. The RNC data was so spot on that on Saturday, before the election, Rights Priebus called me and said, Michigan's in play. And I'm like, yeah, I already know that. <laughs> known this for um, years, Ryan. Come We're on. sending everything your way. But our our voter data anticipated that President Trump voted in Michigan by 8,000 votes. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you have your compass that spot on, you work a little bit harder when you know that margin is so slim. Right. He won by 10,700 votes. Mm-hmm. So it was a pretty spectacular right. evening, day, yeah. two-day period. You're listening to the flagship geopolitics podcast, Fly on the Wall, and we'll be right back. This week's political fun fact comes to you from the Supreme Court, actually. Uh, So the Supreme Court has a gym on their top floor. It is the fifth floor of the Supreme Court, and it has a basketball court that people interestingly call the highest court in the land. And uh, Chief Justice John Roberts, who used to actually work for Chief Justice William Rehnquist, used to play basketball with him back in the 80s. I just don't believe this. Okay, so. It's like, no, there's nothing you can say that will convince me that the highest court in the land is an actual legitimate thing. I don't care what sources you cite. It cannot be real. This one comes from the New York Times. So it's actually real.
so soon after uh, that all happened, the election night shook out, uh, you assumed your current role, right, as GOP chairwoman. So tell us, I, I think a lot of people understand what political parties do during election years. Give us a sense of what your day-to-day -day looks like now, now that we're not really in uh, an election cycle. I don't feel like we've left the election cycle. <laughs> I really don't. I think this is unusual. Usually you do have a, a downtime where you raise money and you build resources. We went into four special elections uh, for the congressional members that went into the cabinet, uh, and that was just hitting the ground running. But as chair, a lot of my time is actually on the phone raising money. That is a huge portion of my job. I, I, I sometimes dread it sitting on the phone for six hours sometimes a day, calling people that I've never met and asking them to invest in the RNC and our mission to expand our majorities in the Senate and keep a majority in the House in 2018. So uh, raising money, dealing with our um, grassroots, obviously spending time with them, going to Lincoln Day dinners, dealing, talking to our RNC members. Uh, today I was at the Senate policy lunch, going around the Capitol, there's so many things. It's such a great job. A lot of variety. Very little sleep. <laughs> lots of donuts. So it's go always figure. Great. <laughs> well, if you need a reason to get into politics, it's donuts. Uh, so you said Lincoln Day Dinner. I don't know if everyone's familiar with that. Could you just explain a little bit of what that is? So a Lincoln Day Dinner is kind of your local county or district way of raising money for your local party. And um, Abraham Lincoln is the founder of the Republican Party. I hope everybody knows that. Mm. We're very proud to have Abraham Lincoln be the first Republican president. And we have dinners in his, his, in his honor all across the country. Republican uh, parties are having Lincoln Day dinners. It's a lot of chicken. <laughs> you don't, it, yeah, there's a point where you're like, I can't have another piece of chicken. <laughs> Uh, so you talked a little bit about how your job was, you know, going on the Hill and talking to people. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you coordinate messaging with both Congress and the White House and how you, you know, really get a party platform out there? Yeah, messaging is key. Uh, the RNC has ramped up our communication shop probably to a bigger level than it was even during the election year. Actually, quite a bit bigger than we had during the election year. Uh, it really started for us with the Gorsuch nomination. Uh, we get on the phone with the White House every day. Uh, we work with our sister committees. We we make sure we have talking points that we're communicating um, and then getting people on TV to talk about your message, which is actually a, a pretty hard thing right now for Republicans to, to get our message uh, on TV, especially nationally. So that's something we do. We also focus on putting surrogates into local markets, especially where we're going to have co competitive Senate and House races. Do you find that message discipline is particularly diff difficult between either within your organization or across um, everything that Republicans currently have control over? Yeah, I think sometimes it's just hard to dial a message down to the voters in a way that it's easy, quick, and penetrates. I mean, everybody has such a busy life. And I get this. I go home. I'm going grocery shopping. I'm taking my kids to school. I'm doing dishes and doing laundry. And you're not able to maybe dial into those messages. So I think that's always a challenge for any party when you're talking about tax reform for the middle class and the corporate tax rate of 15% being competitive globally. That's really hard to dial that into a quick soundbite in a way that across um, all the media outlets, it can be conveyed to the voters. So some of it's repetition and some of it's working harder at um, finding concise messaging that, that resonates with the voters. So, uh, Coming back to 2012 a little bit, uh, the RNC came out with a big autopsy after uh, Governor Romney lost. Um, 
Can you talk to us a little bit about uh, what the RNC's plan is coming out of 2016? Is it still to kind of take that autopsy and move forward? Or uh, have things really, you know, drastically changed? Yeah, absolutely. We're always trying to reach new voters. And that's something that the autopsy focused on, which is that demographics are changing across the country. And we have to show up in communities and share our message if we're going to make a difference. I am passionate about that as as um, party chair. It's something that I did as Michigan chair we had a Detroit office open for three years, um, being engaged in the community, not just to get votes, but to listen and say, how can we do better as a party? What are the issues we're not covering? What are the values we have in common? But also just showing up. For far too long, Republicans have flown over areas and not brought our message. Being at college campuses, having a dialogue, I think that's so critical. And yeah, you're not going to make huge inroads sometimes with with traditional non-Republican voters. But I think having that dialogue and showing up is a first step, and that's something I'm committed to as party chair. Great. And take us inside the room of crafting that sort of action plan. When you go about you know, putting this into action, who do you consult? Where does that inspiration come from? Just walk us through your thought process when you're making those decisions. Well, a lot of our decisions are data-based. So you look at communities, um, you look at your turnout models and, and what you're going to have to do state by state. So for us, it's going to depend a lot on our battleground states in 2018. Um, and then my hope is that as we go into communities, um, we're hiring from within those communities. We're putting them through what we call our RLI Fellows Program. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're RNC staff. And then we stay behind in, in some of these non-traditional Republican communities. We don't just pull up the stakes. Parties are very election-driven, uh, midterms, presidential. We need a long-term strategy as to how we engage in these communities full-time. And that's resources, that's money, but it's also a commitment to recognizing that if we don't engage in these communities long-term as a Republican Party, we're not going to make gains and we're not going to share our message as to why the Republican Party might be a party you haven't looked at before, but maybe there's more than you think. You're listening to Fly on the Wall. We'll be right back. This week's Politicians as Real People comes to us from former Governor Mike Huckabee, who in a tweet said, I love running into celebs in New York, took at press sector dinner, even because even though she's a big deal, she will still let her daddy buy dinner. Of course, he's talking about his daughter, current White House press secretary, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I just think it's a great thing to see politicians spending time with their family. Aw, so cute. It's like pretty adorable. My only problem with this is the fact that uh, Press Secretary Sanders is probably raking in the dough these days, and I feel like she should be the one buying him dinner. Right? Daddy's getting shown up. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. Also, why was she in New York for the UNGA? Yeah, it's UNGA week. Oh, gotcha. Uh, so we're going to play for you our student hot take, okay. uh, which is where we uh, record. We ask a question of a student um, and we're going to play it for you. And we love for you just to respond. Sure. Um, so the question we asked uh, Cheryl um, is, are political parties beneficial or detrimental to democracy in America? Um, I think that political parties are detrimental. If you look at the 2016 election and you looked at what happened to the Republican Party, 
Um, I think that I personally, as a young Republican and conservative, felt extremely slighted by my party. Um, the rise of Trump and how the parties are structured so that um, only the Republicans or the Democrats can win uh, the highest political office in the land alienates the middle. And because Trump won the uh, Republican nomination, it pushed out all this, um, all of these young conservatives who are more moderate um, and left no voice for them. And if the whole point of democracy is to have universal participation in our government, um, then you're losing a huge, huge faction of the population. Um, look at what's happening to the Democratic Party right now. Bernie Sanders is moving the party left. Um, and, you know, all of these candidates who are gearing up to run for the presidential election um, in a few years are following his lead because they think that's where it's going. But what's happening to the people in the middle that are moderate Democrats, what's happening to moderate Republicans, you're losing a huge section of the population. And that's partly because we have these two political parties in the United States. Well, I, I thank you, Cheryl, for your response. Uh, I think she echoes a lot of what I hear in millennials. I do not think a lot of college students identify themselves as Republican or Democrat. I think they're more idea or issue focused. That's mm -hmm. what I find when I go to college campuses. I think as you get older, maybe you identify more as Democrat, Republican. She talks about Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is actually an independent, right. uh, not even a, a Democrat. So um you know, this is the way our par our our um, country is structured. It's very hard to get on the ballot in certain states if you're not one of the two parties. Uh, I don't see this changing. So my advice to anyone who doesn't like the way the parties are is get involved and help change it and make them be what you want them to be. I think it's really easy to say, I don't like it. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to be disillusioned and I'm going to walk away um, from the process. And my answer is, if you don't like the Republican Party, come join it. Um, because and I'm going to say, I say this everywhere I go, every American is better served with two parties being strong. Right. Every community is better served having a voice in both parties. It'd be bad for women if we were only Democrats, right? Because then the Democrat party is going to take you for granted. So you're always better served having a voice in both parties. So if you see something in a party that you don't like, be, become part of that party and try and in, bring change. Yeah, I think there's a lot of wisdom to those words, and I appreciate you you giving that response to Cheryl. I think one of the best quotes we've ever had on this podcast, we actually had former governor of Maryland, Martin O'Malley, on, and he said, I think this eagle flaps best when both its left wing and right wing are strong. And I see similar uh, sentiments with what you're saying here. So I think it's very reassuring uh, that, that that seems to be a universal sentiment among people involved in politics. Yeah, I mean, it's and we need to be respectful and have a dialogue and be able to talk to each other about our differences. And and have it be open and have disagreements. My girlfriends in Michigan, my suburban mom girlfriends, they didn't all vote for President Trump. But we go to we go to lunch together. We talk about school for our kids, how are our jobs doing, what's going on in our community. Uh, that respectful dialogue needs to continue uh, up to Washington. And I think it's it's um, good to see the president working in a bipartisan way. I think that's good for our country. We want to see both parties come together for the benefit of the American people. Definitely. And I think uh, the fact that you brought in millennials, too, I think that's something we see amongst a lot of our friends. Um, great. So we're going to move in uh, really quickly into our lightning round. OK. Uh, so we're just going to ask you a couple of really quick questions and uh, just give us your quick responses to them. Sure. Uh, so our first question for you is what is the biggest change you've instituted so far as chair? 
I think just expanding the, what you see with a lot of parties when they win everything, they go complacent. We have put our um, foot on the gas. Our fundraising is record fundraising. We have expanded our data operations, our communications operations. Nothing at the RNC is shrinking. We are just growing and uh, we're going further and further uh, into states. We're already in 25 states, recognizing uh, that a midterm is a very tough time to win for a party who holds the White House. So more than anything, we're just doubling down on, on all the things that we did right in 2016, 2014, and, and 2012 after the 2012 election. Makes sense. All right, real quick. Wolverines or Spartans? Wolverines. Yeah, that, that is Go the right blue. answer. Yeah. Go blue. My dad went to the University of Michigan, so I root every uh, every Saturday. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, all the way. Khaki uh, pants on Saturday. I'm a believer. <laughs> Uh, great. Uh, and our last question for you. In 30 seconds, pitch the Republican Party to millennials who may be listening. Oh, that's that's a tough one in 30 <laughs> seconds. Uh, I would say to millennials uh, who are working hard and, and getting your education and want a job and want to innovate and expand and, and do great things for this country, look at the party that's going to give you that opportunity, that's going to find a way to have government help you but get out of the way, that's going to allow you to innovate without regulation, um, that's going to allow you to expand. If you, if you can find a way to build that business or build that dream for yourself, whatever issue you believe in, you're going to have more capital and more time to invest in that. And the Republican Party is focused on shrinking government and giving more opportunity to the, to the individual. And that's exactly what many millennials should be looking for. Great. I think that was 35 seconds. But okay. We'll let it slide. <laughs> All right. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, Chairwoman McDaniel, thank you so much for giving us your time. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So thanks so much for joining us on the pod this uh, afternoon, morning, night. That was a stupid way to start. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to. So thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, I think we had a very good conversation with the chairwoman, and I liked our conversation before the chairwoman came on too. I think this is an overall pretty good podcast. What do you say, guys? Wow, what a... If I do say so myself. <laughs> like, good conversation during your conversation, good conversation outside of your conversation, just good conversation everywhere on this podcast. And just a really positive person. Whatever. That's new. People usually don't call me positive. Yeah, so follow us on social media <laughs> at Fly on the Wall Pod, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook. We are all over the place and happy to engage. And Justin, email us. And Justin has some fun. Oh, if wait, before we do on Justin's thing, if you're going to email us, Fly on the Wall Podcast. <laughs> Not pod. Unfortunately, that was taken. I don't know <laughs> how or who, but I will seek them out. <laughs> anyway, so our big announcement for the week. We've been teasing this for a while. We want to get you as engaged with the pod as possible. That's not the tap I want. Um, so we are happy to announce our Fly in the Wall operations and communications team, our opcoms crew. Uh, this is going to be an opportunity for any fans of the pod who want to get involved uh, in a deeper way. You'll have the opportunity to engage with us at meetings, um, have your input into what we talk about on the pod, be able to give reviews on the pod, um, mm -hmm. work on a communication strategy, stuff like that. It's going to be great. We're really excited to expand our team, um, get some new voices in the room as well. You'll be seeing, um, it's, it's an application, but you know, don't take it as application. It's, it's, a, it's an interest form that we're going to be sending around very soon. Um, so stay tuned for that. That is coming this week. So if you love the pod, if you're a friend of the pod, share us, tweet us, love us, subscribe to us, and you can also join, the, join, uh, us. join the crew. Come join our team. We're like super fun. Are we? Yeah, we're like, I okay, I'm fun. Are you fun? I don't know. They'll find out. <laughs> it's true. Find out at our first meeting.
Great. Uh, well, with that, I think we're going to about wrap up this podcast. <laughs> Join us next week. Uh, we're going to have a really great guest on the podcast. He's going to give us a very different perspective from what we see in American politics. And it's going to be a really, really great conversation. Ooh, that was smooth. Thank you. We can't tell you who it is, but we promise that he is super cool. It's a secret. Shh. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye. Jackrabbits? Yeah. We didn't have one. Are you serious? Yeah, because the, the students were the mascot. Are you serious? We were the we were the Randolph Rams. Mm, clever. Mm. That's actually pretty lame because my uh, one of my rival high schools was the Rams, so pretty uncreative. The Jackrabbits, however, how many times have you seen that? I've never seen that. The Rams are actually very common. Are intimidating. Okay, I'm sorry. How many state championships do you have? Plenty. It's Delaware. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs>